What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on my main platform being Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, YouTube at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, even TikTok at Deep Dive FF. And as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. With that being said, let's get into the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. We have finished projections, and now I'm going to get on my soapbox about dynasty rankings. And we're going to talk about it, but I got to let you know, if we're going to talk about dynasty, how I like to do things. And I personally... I weigh youth pretty heavily. Now, maybe that's because I'm the commissioner of most of my leagues, and because of the platforms that I have, it's easy for me to fill spots or teams when people leave, so I know my dynasty teams will last over a long period of time. So I weigh youth heavily. I really do. I think that grabbing somebody young is such an advantage, and it's because I know that my leagues have a long-term lasting effect. Right, They're going to be there for 5, 7, 10 years. And so because of that, I personally, in my dynasty rankings, I value youth a lot. A lot of other people, that's not the case. Maybe you like to do what everyone calls the three-year window. Right? Look at dynasty in a three-year window. That's See, I get when people say that, but if we're talking about dynasty, a dynasty ain't built in three years. Rome was not built in no three years, guys. The Patriots were not built in three years. The Bucks, they're not really a dynasty, I guess, because Brady's at the end. But let's say Brady was young. They weren't built in three years. This has been a team that has been adding pieces over multitudes of drafts, five, six. And so anything that's really good, right, anything that's a dynasty is five, six years in the making. Now, that doesn't mean you can't win before then. But it's something that's supposed to last an extended period of time. So if you're looking at like three-year window stuff, then you're, the rankings that you're looking at, are you're going to have them completely different. You're going to agree with some things, disagree with some other things. So the first thing you need to do is realize what type of league are you in? Is this going to be something with your boys or with your coworkers or some type of stable situation that you're going to be in? Because if so, you're going to like the way I do my rankings with youth being a huge component and if you're in you know a league with a bunch of buddies that you I don't know met in some random situation or with just a bunch of guys from Twitter or something like that and you don't really truly know how long the league is gonna last then maybe you're looking at the three-year type of approach but with that said that's one thing that's super important when it comes to dynasty rankings and I don't think that dynasty rankings should be all that big of a deal because really unless you're comparing people on an equal playing field in terms of age it's very difficult to have like a universal ranking for dynasty because what if I don't want Devontae Adams what if I want my wide receiver my stud wide receiver to be good for six years and not two more or three more you know so it's just completely different it depends on really whenever you're looking at rankings it depends on how the person that you're reading their rankings it depends on how they like to play so I always think that Dynasty Rankings are a little bit overrated. Now, with that said, I'm going to do something to make this podcast super relevant in the way that I go through these rankings. And so I think it's something you guys will like. 
So I really do. And then we've got redraft rankings coming up after this. So don't worry, you're not missing out on anything. So first you need to think about youth and how much you weigh it. The second thing you need to think about is the state of your team. If you've already got stud running backs, then you don't need to get those super young receivers that are going to develop because by the time they develop, your stud running backs might be retired. They might be in the wasteland by then. Now, if you have no running backs, you know your running back situation is horrible. You want those young wide receivers because you want your team and your receiver group to be ready to go by the time you get those stud running backs. And if it takes a couple years, those wide receivers, if they're young, are going to be really good. If they're older, then you kind of screwed yourself. So you got to think of the state of your team as well. That's something that matters immensely. You've also got to think, what is your goal? Are you going head first and trying to win your one? And you don't really care after that. You're trying to get that one, two year, I want to win right away. Or are you okay with the rebuild? You're okay with the possible tank. And you're like, hey man, you know what? I don't mind losing a year or two, getting high rookie draft picks, adding them to a bunch of young people that are developing on my team and having a powerhouse in three years. You got to figure out, you know, what you like, what's your goal. So Like I said, ultimately, I think dynasty rankings are kind of fluid and they're really only applicable in certain situations. Therefore, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you guys my dynasty rankings, but I'm going to do something to them. I'm going to pull out every single player at every single position that is older than 25 years old. So these dynasty rankings are eliminating almost completely. The running back is the only position you're going to have to think about it still almost completely eliminating age. These are basically my dynasty rankings. They're everyone under 26 years old, so 25 years old and under. And it's basically going to be talent-based with a sprinkle of situation and a cup of context. That's the ingredient list right there. So we're going to start with the quarterbacks. Obviously, my number one quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. He's been among the best He's had an insane season. He's done so many amazing things. So Patrick Mahomes is my clear number one. And while I could get into why exactly and give you a bunch of specifics, we've got a lot to go over, and I don't think that's really a uh, contentious take, so let's move on. Kyler Murray is my number two. He's got the rushing. He's got DeAndre Hopkins. Now he's got Rondale Moore. His defense is still not very good, so he's going to be leaned upon to throw the ball a lot along with his rushing ability. His rushing ability is insane. 11 rushing touchdowns last year, top notch. And he's really not a bad passer. He's still developing in that area as well. So he will only get better from here. Number three, Josh Allen. Josh Allen made a huge jump in passing. Now, he's been getting better every single season. He's got Stephon Diggs. He's got Gabriel Davis, a nice rookie who's looking good now. And he's been really good on the ground. There's really not much to complain about. The only reason I have Josh Allen behind Kyler Murray is because I think Kyler Murray has higher rushing potential. I mean, that's clear. He's shown that. So he's a better rusher for fantasy purposes than Josh Allen. And I do think he can be just as good of a passer. Because remember, Josh Allen did get pretty lucky in a lot of situations last year. So honestly, if you want to flip them, they're in the same tier for me. I I could care less. But I have Kyler Murray two, Josh Allen, three, and Lamar Jackson at four. Lamar Jackson is going to have a career year this year, and that's, well, let me let me backtrack. He will have an amazing year this year, much better than last year. I don't 
think it's really possible to have a career year after that one season he had where he had 30 points per game in fantasy because stuff like that doesn't happen more than once for one player. But Lamar Jackson has Rashad Bateman now added. And he's got Tylen Wallace, a rookie that I was all over. I love Tylen Wallace. He's there now too. He's also got Sammy Watkins added to the mix. He's still got good running backs behind him. Gus Edwards has been resigned for two more years. He's got a good defense behind him, which he's one of the few quarterbacks that that's good for because then he's able to not be forced into just throwing, which we know he's not the best at, and he's able to run the ball. So that's really good. Baltimore's always had a good defense, so I have no worries there. So Lamar Jackson, in so many ways, is set up for a great season because he doesn't even have to become a better passer to be having better passing metrics compared to last year because he's got better receivers. So if they just do more with the same compared to the receivers last year, then boom, that's an improvement. And if he improves at all, then there you go. That's two ways for him to improve in the passing metrics. So I like Lamar Jackson a lot. And then at five, I have Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is the only rookie that I have super high compared to this rookie class uh, from last year because Justin Herbert showed that he's got enough rushing kind of like Mahomes, just enough rushing to give him the potential to be a top three, top five quarterback if he puts it all together. And he's got great a great arm. He's got good weapons. Hopefully the coaching ends up being really good. They've got a new coaching staff, so we're going to have to see where that is going. But Justin Herbert looks super promising. I like him a lot. He's my quarterback five. Trevor Lawrence is my quarterback six. And this is a nice little run we have here from six to nine. And remember, we've taken out all the older guys if you're uh, if you skip that part or something, so it's all players under 25 years old. My quarterback six for dynasty is Trevor Lawrence. Quarterback seven is Trey Lance, and then we'll stick with those two for now. Trey Lance has more potential than Trevor Lawrence in my mind, but both have elite potential. Trevor Lawrence, his ceiling for rushing is probably around that 600, 700 rush yard mark, maybe eight, six to eight rushing touchdowns, but his ceiling as a passer is immense, and then. Trey Lance, his ceiling as a passer is going to be a little bit more limited, probably because he's not going to see crazy passing volume probably at any point in his career unless he, you know, gets a really long, outstanding career where he's, you know, in year eight, year nine, and he's starting to not run as much. But Trey Lance, I think, is going to be somebody who's dominant with his rushing. He's going to run probably similar to Kyler Murray. He might run a little bit more. Now, I do think he'll probably be more explosive with his passing metrics. So Trey Lance is somebody that I absolutely love. I'm trying to get a share of him if I can. And I remember when I told you guys that I don't really have any shares in this rookie quarterback class, and I like three of the four a lot, except for Trevor Lawrence, who I traded for, and Fields. I actually don't have Fields. I forgot that <laughs> I forgot that it was a trade that I almost had that went through. See, when you're in so many leagues, sometimes it's hard to keep track. And it didn't. I forgot that it fell through. So I actually don't have feels either. So Trevor Lawrence is the only person that I've been able to get. And it's because I traded up for him. So trying to get a share of both of the other two. Because I love them both. Speaking of the other one, that's Justin Fields, who we'll get to in a second. He's at nine. And Joe Burrow is right in front of them at eight. The only reason Joe Burrow is in front of Justin Fields for me is because Joe Burrow has already been seen in the NFL looking at least decent. And he's got three amazing wide receivers. Hopefully they build that O-line next offseason. Because if they do, boom, he is set, ready to go. And that's pretty much the only reason I have Joe Burrow above Justin Fields. Also, he's going to have huge passing volume for a long time because that Bengals defense is three, four years away from being anything close to top 10. So 
that's also something going in Burrow's favor. Fields, like Trevor Lawrence, can run the ball a lot. He's probably going to run a little bit more than Trevor Lawrence. And he's just as accurate of a passer. And if you don't agree with me, then you should probably go look at the stats. Because Justin Fields was actually the most accurate passer in last year's quarterback class. So he has so much going for him. The only thing that's really holding Fields back, and the reason I have him at 9 behind Trey Lance, who I used to have Fields above Trey Lance, is because of the weapons. Trey Lance has Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, who are both super young. And he's got George Kittle, who he's a tight end, so his career is a little bit longer than a wide receiver's. So he's not really too far or too close to being done yet. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, and then Justin Fields, he's got A-Rob, who might be gone off the franchise tag. And then he's got Darnell Mooney and somebody I like a lot, Daz Newsome, Cole Komet. We'll see what he becomes. But the stable of receivers that he has is way worse, way worse than Trey Lance's. And I also trust the coaching staff of the 49ers a lot more than I trust the current coaching staff of the Bears. And who knows what the future coaching staff will look like if Nagy gets fired. So that's why I have Trey Lance a little bit higher than Fields. But Fields is at 9 for me. Deshaun Watson at 10. If everything was cleared up, if none of this allegation stuff was in the way, Deshaun Watson would probably be number 2 behind Patrick Mahomes for me. But that is not the case. So it's a little bit risk-reward here. He's my quarterback 10. We know that he's a top five quarterback pretty much locked in if he plays 16 games. The question is, what's the future hold for him? At quarterback 11, I have Tua Tagovailoa. I think he's going to have a huge improvement. And he's got mad weapons to do. And now he's got his separators. I'm not going to get on that whole Tua rant. You guys know how I feel and what I've been thinking he's been missing. And that is no longer the issue. So Tua is going to have a good year. He's also allowed to call plays now, which he wasn't allowed to last year, unlike the freedoms that they gave to Ryan Fitzpatrick, which could have been a contributing factor. So Tua Tagovailoa, quarterback 11. Now is when it starts to get dicey. I love those top 11 quarterbacks. Quarterback 12 is Zach Wilson. I am not nearly as high on him as a lot of other people. I do like the guy, like his attitude, like the way he approaches the game, and I think he's got some good potential, but he's the only quarterback of the four that will probably never run for 400 yards in a season. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, I would guarantee you are all going to run for more than that on at least one season. Probably average about that, if not better. So Zach Wilson is not going to be like that. He's more like a Baker Mayfield. And as much as Baker Mayfield has improved and shown us a lot of good things, think about what Baker Mayfield does for fantasy. It's not much. He's just a safe middling quarterback too. And that's what I think Zach Wilson will probably become, especially if Robert Sala wants to approach the Jets as the 49ers organization did with a solid defense, a dominant run game, and a low passing volume offense. Because if that's the case, if Zach Wilson's not passing often and he's not running the ball like a Trey Lance would be in the same type of system, not saying that the systems will be the same, but just going back to the San Francisco comparison, since Zach Wilson's not going to be running the ball in part of the rush game, it's really going to hurt him. So even if he develops, then... We really don't really know what's going on. And Jamison Crowder will be gone soon. Chris Herndon apparently is doing bad in camp. Denzel Mims apparently is doing bad in camp. The only thing they've got going for him right now is Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. That's only two pieces. And I'm not a huge Michael Carter guy. He'll probably be all right. I mean, volume is king for the running back position anyways. Not so much talent when it comes to fantasy football, at least on a per-year basis. Uh, dynasty, you know, talent's obviously a little bit more important. But... Yeah, I, I don't see the weapons. I don't see the offensive line, which, yeah, other guys don't have, like a Joe Burrow, but he's got way better weapons. 
and he actually probably runs a little bit more. But the key difference is he passes a whole bunch, and that's not going to be the case for Zach Wilson. Like I said, it got dicey from here on, right? 13, Jalen Hurts. We have no idea how long he'll start in the NFL. We don't even know if he's going to be in a good situation this year. He might get traded. If Deshaun Watson goes to Philly and Jalen Hurts goes to Houston, yikes. Yikes. And Houston is so bad. All their defense, all the weapons that Hurts would have to work with, all of those things are in such bad shape. They'll probably have a top three pick and they'll probably replace Jalen Hurts. So Jalen Hurts could be out of a job. We've only seen him for four games. I don't necessarily think he's a great passer. So unless he becomes a dominant, consistent runner or gets a lot better very quickly as a passer, uh, his future is pretty questionable. At 14, I have Mac Jones. The only reason Mac Jones is behind Jalen Hurts, because I do believe Mac Jones has a safer career trajectory, is because he has no upside. Jalen Hurts has a lot of upside. In redraft, he is inside my top eight, I think. I think he's like quarterback seven for me or maybe quarterback eight because of that rushing and right now I have him projected as the starter for the Eagles but Mac Jones he's he's never going to be somebody that's super great for fantasy unless he just has every single thing go right for him a perfect offensive line a perfect system perfect weapons all of that stuff that's kind of what Mac Jones needs then we've got Daniel Jones Daniel Jones is somebody I do not think is a starter for long in the NFL I think the Giants are going to see that he is the biggest weakness. And all the Giants fans, actually probably only half of them, because I know half agree with me, but half of you guys that are Giants fans are going to come after me and say, Daniel Jones is bad because of the offensive line. Trust me. I was making that excuse for Jameis Winston for the longest time as a Bucks fan. That was not the problem. The problem was the quarterback. You could have a bad offensive line and still not fumble the ball more than one time per game on average over your career. Come on, guy. So let's be real here. Daniel Jones has got a lot of improving to do. hes I don't necessarily think he's going to do it. A lot of people were skeptic of him as a draft prospect in the first place, and we all mocked the fact that he got picked inside the top 10 at 6 overall to the Giants and that they took him. Like, it was just that they took him as high as they did and that they had another pick later on in the round that they could have took him, all that stuff. So... Not looking good for Daniel Jones, in my opinion. And I don't really I don't really want any shares or have any shares of Daniel Jones. Sam Darnold is 16 for me. Maybe the Panthers can resurrect him. And at this point, remember, we took out all the guys over 25. That's a lot of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL. So after Sam Darnold, we might get to a possible non-starter. But Sam Darnold, maybe he'll get better. Maybe he'll show that Adam Gase was the problem. I'm not really sure. I don't have a firm stance either way. I do think Sam Darnold will have a career year in terms of efficiency this year and probably overall metrics, especially if he could play a whole season. So I do like Sam Darnold a decent amount. I don't see him ever having potential to be like a top 15 quarterback ever though. So that's why I have him so low. Then at 17, I have Drew Locke. He might not be the starter. He's definitely not going to be a starter for another team in the NFL. So unless he just commands this starting job for the Broncos and gives you a couple years of production he's not really going to be worth much and at 18 just for the heck of it I threw him in there Jordan Love now with that said with quarterbacks done we're going to get to the running backs what's up divers do you guys enjoy a good workout like me well guess what I've got the perfect nutrition for you and that is Built Bar Go check out BuiltBar.com. Guys, I have tried every single flavor to this point. I've got some rankings for you. Here are my top five favorite flavors that are in the 
18-pack, their standard rotation, not any holiday or special event items. My favorite is banana bread, followed very closely by coconut. I really like the peanut butter. That is my third favorite. Toffee almond. Ooh, that's a nice one. And cookies and cream. Those are the top five flavors if you guys want to try them out. If you haven't, why not? Why have you not tried these out yet? These are amazing. I have them after every single workout paired with, actually, their vitamin packs that give you 100% of your daily vitamins. Guys, I'm not even eating vegetables and fruits anymore. I don't need to. I'm getting all of my vitamins and then some in a pack that comes out to less than a dollar a day. Are you kidding me? You're spending more than that on fruits and vegetables. Plus, it takes time to eat that. I'm somebody who thinks time is money. So I just like to mix that stuff into my water. Check out Built Bar. Use my code Deep Dive to save 10% off and get the nutrition side of working out added in to the hard work you put in the gym and get max results. Oh, was that an ad? I know it's been a while. With that said, let's get to the running backs. Christian McCaffrey is the clear RB1. Not much explaining. Needed 30 points per game over the last two seasons. By far the best advantage in fantasy football as any one player. The highest VORP, value over replacement. Then we've got Saquon Barkley at two. I'm a believer that, you know, these have kind of been fluky injuries. I don't think it's going to be something that follows him his whole career. If you do, you're going to have him lower. But Saquon Barkley is a stud. He's also probably going to escape the Giants organization here pretty soon, which could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. Depends on how you look at it because he's getting good volume here and they have weapons on the outside to give him some breathing room. But if you don't really believe in Daniel Jones like me, you think it can get a lot better and he'll have more touchdown opportunities somewhere else. So Saquon Barkley, another guy that I really love. He's at two for me. And at three is Jonathan Taylor. Now, he's not huge in terms of redraft in my rankings. Like he is, I think, running back like nine or 10 in my redraft rankings, possibly 11. And it's because Naheem Hines is still there. Marlon Mack will take two carries a game three carries a game. Carson Wentz just got hurt. There's a lot going on there in Indy, and it's going to be hard for Jonathan Taylor to just be Ezekiel Elliott, because guess what Ezekiel Elliott always had? A whole bunch, a whole bunch of touchdowns, plus a decent amount of receiving work. Both of those things are probably not going to be the case for Taylor. Now, he could get a bunch of touchdowns, but I don't know how much I trust the offense with basically him, a receiving running back, and Michael Pittman Jr., as the entire like supporting cast for a backup quarterback. So that's pretty rough situation there. But for dynasty purposes, he's super talented, super young, and profiles as a workhorse for the future. Antonio Gibson is my running back four. Remember, these are guys under 25 years old. Antonio Gibson was a wide receiver in college. Last year, J.D. McKissick had over 100 targets. That's not going to be the case. We will see Antonio Gibson start morphing into that three-down back that is getting receiving. He's big. He's strong. He's fast enough. He's shifty for sure. And he's got great hands and receiving skills and route running. The only thing he really needs to be working on, aside from like some regular running back stuff, actually, because he didn't play much running back, only like 30-something carries in college, but he showed that wasn't a problem last year. He was great. But getting back to my point, The only thing he really needs to work on is his pass blocking. If he gets better as a pass blocker, he will be dominant. And it's possible he is one of the most most used running backs in the NFL 
in the future and that he is one of those guys that's getting 20 plus touches a game when you include targets and carries so Antonio Gibson love him Najee Harris at five he is a sick running back the Steelers love giving all of the workload to one guy Najee Harris is the second best or best receiving running back from this rookie class the only person that might be better is Kenneth Gainwell and Najee Harris he's got the size as well he's pretty much Le'Veon Bell in my opinion and he's got good wide receivers even if two of them leave he'll have Chase Claypool and probably I would guess Deontay Johnson on the outside they've also got Pat Fryermuth. I know their quarterback situation is sketchy so that's part of the reason he's at five for me among all running backs under 25 years old but he's somebody that I I just I don't see anyway he's not going to be a stud for fantasy he's one of the most confident rookies I have ever projected for me personally as a running back coming into the NFL like Clyde I loved him I was all over him last year and he was pretty good I mean RB11 he was a a top 12 running back so there was nothing to complain about really but I was not super confident in my projection for Clyde I was not super confident in my projection for Jonathan Taylor the years before that Josh Jacobs Miles Sanders I liked him wasn't super confident Najee Harris yeah I'll take him I'm super confident in that one. DeAndre Swift is my running back six. He's one of the better runners in terms of efficiency metrics, and he is one of the best receiving running backs in the game. Also, as it stands right now, they need a lot of work in that wide receiver room. Amon Ross St. Brown is starting to drum up some hype, right? But it's him, Hawkinson, and Swift. That's pretty much the offense. So Swift is going to be super great for PPR for the next couple years until they figure that out. Plus, If they replace Goff, which they will, because Goff sucks, and he will not be a starter after this year, that's my prediction. I think the Lions are going to be one of the teams that are either in the top three or top three to top five to take a quarterback, or they will trade high enough to get to that point, to get a quarterback to replace Goff. So with that considered, it's only going to get uphill from here. It's only going to get better from here for DeAndre Swift, because the better quarterback that comes in, the better the offense will be. And the more scoring opportunities and touchdown opportunities DeAndre Swift will have. And the more the offense will stay on the field, increasing total possible plays per game, increasing possible touches for DeAndre Swift. So lots to think about there, but I like Swift a lot. He's my six. Then we've got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at seven. Very similar to DeAndre Swift, pretty much. Uh, Maybe a little bit less rushing workload, but who knows? He could take a step forward there. And he's got the offense. He's got the quarterback. He's got the wide receiver. He's got the tight end. I think Kelsey's got two more years at least. So Clyde's in a great situation. I think he's only going to get better. And I mean, that's pretty much what I got on Clyde. I mean, I could give you guys breakdowns on every single running back, but we will never get through this. So we're going to keep it moving. Javonta Williams is my running back eight for fantasy. Now remember, running back is one of the positions, the only position in this exercise that age still matters a little bit. And that's why I have Javonta Williams over Joe Mixon, over Nick Chubb, because he is much younger than them. Javonta Williams is prime time Doug Martin. Think Doug Martin's rookie season. That's what Javonta Williams will be putting up next year. Maybe not this year because Melvin Gordon is there. But after that, he's going to be a beast. And Denver always has a strong defense. They've got good young weapons built around Javonta Williams. So all they got to do, pretty, well, not similar, but 
What they need to do is find a quarterback. And if they find a quarterback, Javonta Williams' red zone opportunities when Gordon is gone and Jerry Judy's on the outside and Noah Fant they got to worry about is going to be immense. So I like Javonta Williams a lot. Then Joe Mixon is at nine for me. I do think he's finally going to give that season that everybody has been drafting him highly for every single year. Don't be the person that fades guys just because they hurt you in the past. Don't do it. It's not a productive way to play fantasy. Maybe you say, Brandon, I don't really care because... I can't bring myself to draft him. That's fine, but just know that you're doing yourself a disservice. So Joe Mixon is my running back nine under 25 years old. Pretty crazy how young he is. Nick Chubb is my number 10. The fact that they re-signed Kareem Hunt, the fact that Nick Chubb is still not being used in the receiving game, and the fact that it doesn't get better than it was last year with the best offensive line, Baker finally being really good. Uh, at least efficient and helpful for the team and not super turnover prone, it doesn't really get that much better if Kareem Hunt is still going to be there. The only way it gets better for him, for Chubb, is if Kareem Hunt is gone, and that's not going to be the case anytime soon. So that's why I've got Nick Chubb probably low, in your opinion, at running back 10 under 25 years old. Then I've got J.K. Dobbins, similar to Nick Chubb, not getting used receiving-wise, not getting a insane workload because Lamar Jackson takes a bunch of carries, Gus Edwards takes a bunch of carries, just like Nick Chubb splits splits carries with Kareem Hunt. So not a super fruitful situation. I'm going to get that phone and then we'll be right back. All right, after J.K. Dobbins is David Montgomery at running back 12 for me. Justin Fields is really going to help him out. That's going to be super beneficial to David Montgomery. Also, I don't think Tariq Cohen is as much of a threat as I used to. David Montgomery's a better receiver metric-wise, so not too worried there. David Montgomery's going to see an increased possibility at touchdown opportunities as well with a better offense being run by Justin Fields. Travis Etienne at 13. I loved him. I hated the fact that he got paired with James Robinson. It makes it a super muddy situation. If James Robinson was not there, let me scroll up real quick. If James Robinson was not there, Travis Etienne would probably be, ooh, probably be my RB... Eight right in front of Javonta Williams. He'd probably bump back Javonta and everybody behind him one spot. So Travis Etienne, you can kind of see where I value him as a player, but unfortunately the situation plays a huge part. That's your cup of context right there. Travis Etienne is sharing so much with James Robinson, and James Robinson is super cheap. So unless he has a great season, and then he's like, you know what, I know I can go make money right now, somewhere else I'm going to hold out instead of finishing my third super cheap year with Jacksonville I'm going to hold out or tell them you know I'm demanding a trade or whatever so that that and that's definitely a possibility by the way that's definitely a possibility it could happen mid-season this year so Travis Etienne has a wide range of outcomes for that reason I'm very interested and I have no problem with somebody that has him ranked higher than I do above some of the guys like a David Montgomery or a Joe Mixon or whatever so I have no issue there, but Travis Etienne's at 13 for me personally. Miles Sanders I have at 14. I hate the situation, and it's probably not going to get much better. If Deshaun Watson becomes the quarterback there, that's not really an improvement for Miles Sanders' point of view other than the offense being better, and you know he'll definitely probably get more touchdowns, but he will never have his receiving situation fixed, and he will never get a mad amount of carries if the quarterback is somebody that runs the ball and doesn't check down. So, and that's kind of what it's going to look like with Hertz. That's kind of what it's going to be with Watson if they get Watson. So, no matter how this possible trade scenario works out, it's not super beneficial for Miles Sanders. 
And they also draft Ken, Kenny Gainwell, which I told you guys, either he or Najee Harris is the best running back in the rookie class as a receiver. Both are very, very good. So that's also not going to help Miles Sanders. Josh Jacobs at 15, once again, situational. Ken, Kenny, bleh, Kenyon Drake, excuse me. I just talked about Kenny Gainwell, so I want to say Kenny again. Kenyon Drake is now there with Josh Jacobs splitting plus... For some reason, John Gruden doesn't want to commit to Josh Jacobs, and that's obviously why they brought in Kenyon Drake. He doesn't want Jacobs to get a whole bunch of targets, even though he's a pretty good receiver, and he should get those targets. Plus, for some reason, they're not bought into Derek Carr, everyone seems to think. I don't think it's nearly as bad as everyone seems to overblow it to be. I don't even know if that sentence makes sense, but... You know what I'm saying. Everyone overblown has made the situation way more than needs to be. I'll just say that. Um, Derek Carr's been a good quarterback. He really has. He's had a lot of factors that have negatively impacted him. He's got some good weapons now. Brian Edwards, Henry Ruggs, both in year two. Darren Waller, I think this is the year, despite a lot of offensive line shuffling, which will create some problems early on in the season as they get to gel and get to know each other, all these new pieces. But I think Derek Carr will show people, hey, you know what? I'm one of the better quarterbacks in the league. I'm not just some below average guy who doesn't run and won't throw the deep ball, which at least he proved that wrong last year, right, with Nelson Aguilar. So I like Derek Carr, but everyone every single year seems to think that, hey, the Raiders might move on from him. And every year that they have that's really bad, it becomes a greater possibility. So who knows what's going on there? I just, I really don't like the organization all that much so that's another reason I have Josh Jacobs so low but I'm rooting for him I really am he's a talented guy also he's been banged up here and there but not too worried about that Trey Sermon at 16 and Ronald Jones at 17 they're both running backs that are in split situations but Trey Sermon's gonna probably get a little bit more uh touches and Ronald Jones is a free agent after this year which by the way I think is a good thing and it's part of the reason I have him ranked so highly because Ronald Jones has a good, let's say he has a good year this year, right? He breaks 1,000 rushing yards and is just a, a good running back and helpful for a team that's going to be televised and paid a lot of attention, right? Then Ronald Jones is probably going to get signed somewhere else to be a starting running back and get a good amount of work. Maybe it's, you know, the, I'm trying to think, maybe it's the Falcons. There's, you know, quite a few teams that could use a running back still, and depending on their cap situation, I guess that makes the Falcons a bad a bad example. But honestly, the cap is really weird because some teams know how to work around it. Others don't. It also matters how much cash you have on hand that you can convert into signing bonuses. But without making this a salary cap conversation, you get what I'm saying. But Ronald Jones has a good opportunity to be somewhere else. And guess what? If he stays in Tampa and they pay him, then he's probably staying in Tampa to get some touches. So Ronald Jones, who's been a way better player than people give him credit for, I think people have always looked down on him because of his 20-carry rookie season, which was obnoxious for people to judge him off 20 carries. That's judging a player off one game. That's judging a running back off one game. Everyone threw Ronald Jones to the whatever wayside off of one game's worth of touches in his rookie year. That's ridiculous. And if you were one of those people, shame on you. But Ronald Jones, he's been really good since that. You just look at any stat metric, any single stat metric. He was top five amongst running backs this past season in rushing yards over expected. That means he was one of the better 
one of the best running backs to get more than what you would expect given the carries that he had and the scenario and the blocking and whatever. So he's been great. Cam Akers is at 18. He would be obviously a lot higher for me, but I'm kind of worried about the Achilles. And one of the knocks on him was kind of a health health issue, kind of like Dalvin Cook also coming out of FSU. Now, Dalvin Cook has been amazing, but he has also really been banged up every single year and missed a couple games every single year, and more than that, his rookie season. So we'll see what happens with Cam Akers if he recovers well from the Achilles. It's a really dangerous situation because we don't have much data on it. And yes, everyone's like, oh, modern medicine is better now. Well, yeah, that's true, but we still don't really know how it affects the Achilles, and there's only so much modern medicine can do. Right, so especially if you're trying to be a professional athlete at one of the running at one of the positions that needs the most athleticism, and takes the biggest beating, so kind of concerned. That's the only reason I have him at 18. Miles Gaskin I have at 19. I love him. Damian Harrison, Damian Damian Harris at 20. Chase Edmonds at 21. James Robinson at 22. Hoping for a rebirth somewhere new. Ooh, I, I didn't even realize that rhymed. James Robinson at 22, rebirth somewhere new. Let's get it. Michael Carter at running back 23, and Darrell Henderson at running back 24. Those are my top 24 running backs under 25 years old. I guess the only thing I really feel like mentioning is that Damian Harris at 20, right? So the Patriots, they, for some reason, have not really been too committed to one running back ever, it seems like, at least since I've been watching. And I think that might change, especially when Mac Jones takes over for the future years Damian Harris you know Belichick might be like screw it screw it you're good and you stay healthy if he can stay healthy then we'll, we'll just give you the ball I, I don't know why I just kind of have a, a weird feeling that maybe Brady had part of the part of the say and why there are so many running backs getting touches and also the fact that they always had a bunch of good ones Rex Burkhead is gone he was always one of those James Wright is at the end of his career he was always one of those they had LeGarrette Blunt. They had just so many different random dudes. That's not really the case anymore. It's kind of just Damian Harris right now and Ramondre Stevenson, who I love, but I don't know how much work they're going to give him. And I think it might stay that way because they've got, they're going to have a lot of holes to fill here soon in the future. So they're going to want to give a bunch of weapons to Mac Jones and all that stuff in terms of the receiving game. I find it hard to believe that they're going to take another running back in the top three rounds or spend a lot of money on a running back. So Damian Harris could be a workhorse for the New England Patriots at some time in the future. So with that said, that's the running back position. Now we'll get into the wide receivers. We're going to have to go rapid fire, okay? So if you have questions on any of these receivers, you think any of this is a heresy, then you could message me and I will gladly explain my thoughts. But wide receivers... 1 through 12. So my wide receiver 1's under 25 years old or 25 years old. A.J. Brown at 1. Justin Jefferson at 2. CeeDee Lamb at 3. I really think he's going to become DeAndre Hopkins. Chris Godwin at 4. Terry McLaurin at 5. D.K. Metcalf at 6. I never see him being a possible, you know, 140, 150 plus target. Just absolute dominant target machine and target hog. It's hard for me to see. He's also... You know, in an offense where he's got Tyler Lockett, they drafted a whole bunch of receivers. Russell Wilson doesn't throw the ball that much because they don't want him to for some reason. They like to be run first. So just more situationally based on DK, but also because of his body type, he's probably not going to be one that ever gets that just alpha dog, wide receiver one type of target share. 
with targets in total. So DK Metcalf's at six, Jamar Chase at seven, T. Higgins at eight. I'm probably leaning on flipping that. I might go T. Higgins at seven, Jamar Chase at eight, but really pick your poison. I mean, they're both catching balls from the same quarterback. They both have similar skill sets and what they're good at. So really, does it even make a difference? At nine, this is a hot one, LaVisca Chenault. And it's hot when you realize all the names I'm going to say after him. That means I have him ranked over them, obviously. LaVisca Chenault is somebody that I'm just all about. And I think he's going to be a PPR machine. I think he's going to be the go-to for Trevor Lawrence. And something that's interesting. Think about Brandon Ayuk, who is, by the way, my wide receiver 11. So actually, let me go real quick. LaVisca Chenault, wide receiver 9. Wide receiver 10, DJ Moore. Wide receiver 11, Brandon Ayuk. So Ayuk, or Ayuk, however you want to say it, has had mad hype all off season, right? They're posting videos. The 49ers, all their media is posting videos of Ayuk and all these crazy things he's doing from both Garoppolo and Trey Lance, and he's amazing, whatnot. But you know who's having a amazing at least one catch every single practice? LaVisca Chenault. But you know why he's not receiving the hype? Because the Jaguars are not publicizing it. Don't be a victim to the news and the media, okay? There is so much, like, things to consider. A lot of teams, they want to throw out their rookies. They want to put them on the Twitter and on the Instagram and on the Facebook and all this stuff and say, look at our rookie. He's a beast. Look at this amazing pick that we made, which that's all fine and dandy. But there are also teams that have the same people showing out and performing that say, hey, let's keep this under wraps. We don't want anybody knowing what we're doing. We don't want anybody knowing how good he's going to be. We want them to be surprised by him. And I think that's what's going on with LaVisca right now. Because somebody that's been at the Jaguars camp, I don't remember where I heard this, but somebody that's been at the Jaguars camp has said that LaVisca makes plays that are ridiculous on a regular basis. And because it's so regular, it's not getting talked about. And also, they're they're just not posting the videos of them. So... LaVisca Chenault, guys, don't sleep. Don't sleep. He's got a franchise quarterback throwing him the ball. Marvin Jones will be gone. It's going to be him and Chark and Etienne. That's the future. And LaVisca's going to be a monster as long as he can stay healthy. And he would have been a first-round wide receiver if it wasn't for his injury history in college. DJ Moore at 10, like I said. Then Brandon Ayuk at 11. Jerry Judy at 12. I think he's going to fix the drop problem. Also, Cortland Sutton, if he's gone soon, then Jerry Judy will really just absorb that wide receiver one role to the fullest extent and have a whole bunch of targets all the time. He's a great route runner. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. They will be able to find him because he's always open. Deontay Johnson at 13, good route runner as well, creates good separation as well, just needs to once again, kind of like Jerry Judy, fix the drop problem, which I think will happen. And it's really not, I'm not high on him for redraft for this year, but I think him and Claypool are the future there. I think James Washington and Juju Smith-Schuster are both gone next year. So he's probably going to get a bunch of targets, and hopefully they can figure out the quarterback situation. Even if not, Deontay Johnson is closer to the line of scrimmage, so he's less reliant upon good quarterback play. So that's also something to keep in mind. And that's why I have him right in front of Chase Claypool, who I have at 14. Then we've got Juju Smith-Schuster at 15. I think he's going to be somewhere new. He's obviously young because he's on this list, right? This is only 25-year-olds and younger. Juju, I believe, is 24. So he's got a bright, long future ahead of him. I think he's going to get paid a lot next year. And if so, you know what follows the money? Volume, baby. Then we've got Jalen Waddell at 16. I'm a huge proponent of the dude. 
He's with Tua, back with his college quarterback. I think he's going to be the number one this year and moving forward. He's super explosive, yards after catch, insane. So I'm all about Jalen Waddle. DJ Chark at 17. Darnell Mooney at 18. I'm just, I love the route running. I love the route running. I love the quarterback he's playing with. I love the fact that he might be the number one if Allen Robinson leaves. I love so many things about Darnell Mooney. So give me him at 18. Devonta Smith at 19. Michael Pittman Jr. at 20, Elijah Moore at 21, Henry Ruggs at 22, Michael Gallup at 23. He's going to be a free agent. He's going to have a new scenario, uh, situation, and he's going to be great. So Michael Gallup at 23, Terrace Marshall at 24. They're force-feeding him, trying to turn him into a player that they can put anywhere on the field already this year in his rookie offseason. Robbie Anderson's probably gone next year, so it's going to be him and DJ Moore. And if Sam Darnold ain't the truth, then they're going to find the truth pretty soon because if Sam Darnold ain't it, they ain't going to be that good of a team. And if they're not that good of a team, then they'll have a shot at a quarterback next year or maybe the year after. So love Terrace Marshall a lot. He was behind Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. So that's part of the reason why he didn't have an insane stat line in college. Rashad Bateman, this is not... See, this is somebody that has so much talent that I really like. I just I gotta put him in the flow because of the situation. He's never gonna be somebody who's getting a ridiculous amount of targets because Mark Andrews is already there and they don't pass the ball a lot in Baltimore. So huge problem. Rondale Moore at 26, Jalen Rager at 27, Gabriel Davis at 28, Brian Edwards at 29, Debo Samuel at 30, Amari Rogers at 31, Amon Ross St. Brown at 32, Donovan Peoples Jones at 33. It is possible, small chance, but it is possible. Donovan Peoples-Jones is the wide receiver too this season for the Cleveland Browns. I love the dude. He is just so talented. You guys know from the past podcast when I read you my scouting report for him and all that good stuff when we were talking about the Browns. But Donovan Peoples-Jones, all about him. Deami Brown at 34. He's going to be the perfect receiver for Ryan Fitzpatrick. He should have been drafted way higher. And I think he's the number two, not Curtis Samuel. Then we have Curtis Samuel at 35, right behind Deami Brown. They're both super young. And then Marquise Brown rounds it out at 36. So that's my top 36 wide receivers under 25. And then tight end, we'll just hammer it real quick. Not too much, right? Kyle Pitts, clearly number one. TJ Hawkinson, two. Mark Andrews, three. Noah Fant, four. Adam Troutman, five. Cole Komet, six. If you want to flip Komet and Troutman, I have no argument. Jonu Smith, seven. Mike Gesicki at 8, Irv Smith at 9, 10th, Pat Fryermuth. This is when the rookies come to play. 11th, Trey McKitty, my guy that I played with. And uh, now he's in Los Angeles with the Chargers. And Brevin Jordan at 12. That rounds up the top 12 tight ends under 25 years old. Brevin Jordan is in Houston. He's got a good opportunity. I don't know why he fell in the draft. He should have been a second-round pick. He was my second-ranked tight end in this draft class with Trey McKitty being third. So there you go. That's... There you have it. Those are my quick dynasty rankings, youth only. And if you want to know, hey, where would you have, you know, this veteran wide receiver? Well, then we got to go back to the first four things we talked about. What are those four things? Well, it's how much do you weigh youth? What's the state of your team? Are you ready to win? Can that wide receiver, if they're older, help you win now? Then yeah, sure. What's your goal? If you're doing a new draft, how are you trying to draft? And I think, okay, I guess that's it, maybe three. So whatever the case may be, you guys got a little bit more insight on my dynasty rankings here. I'm not going to have like a regular dynasty ranking list with everybody because it's super subjective to how you like to play dynasty. 
and I don't need somebody also, I don't need somebody coming out here and saying, Brandon, you're an idiot because you have DeAndre Hopkins at wide receiver five in Dynasty and he's 28 years old and has two years left. Okay, what if I agree with that statement and I value that at five because I'm trying to win in the next few years? What if it's the other way around and you have him at five and I disagree and you're giving me crap because I have him at 12? Well, maybe I'm valuing my wide receiver to be more three to five year long term type of person. Who knows? So that's why I don't do that. But always feel free to, and I have a bunch of you guys doing this already in the DMs on Twitter, some some on Instagram, mainly on Twitter. Feel free to send me your team if you want. Send me your team. Tell, you know, give me the scenario. Hey, this guy or this guy, whether it's a trade or you're on the clock in a slow draft or whatever the case may be. And with the context included, me knowing what your team is like, and if you think this league is going to last for a while, I can tell you what I would do. So still here for you guys as always. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. Peace.